Good afternoon, everyone. This is your call to worship. Today is the first Saturday of October, October 2nd, 2021. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve targeted individuals in North America and around the world. To our regular members, our new listeners, and guests, thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us, and thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor, making a way even when we don't see it. Our serving team today is Brother Bob Pierce, who is our Zoom moderator, Sister Helena Thompson, who is our Minister of Music. She carefully selects the music and she plays it. Then I, Carolyn Cunningham, will present the invocation, the invitation to giving and the announcements. Today, Sister Sharon Taylor will offer the altar prayer. Millicent, Pastor Millicent Black will deliver the preached word. Sister Greta Ayers will offer the invitation to discipleship. And our pastor, Millicent Black, will return to offer the final remarks and benediction. We ask all of you on this call to pray in your daily prayers for Refuge from the Storm Church members, the Worldwide Church, our families and friends, TIs Worldwide and Advocacy and Activist Groups, the loved ones of those who have died from the coronavirus, as well as from targeting the overtaxed medical professionals during this time of dire need. We pray, ask you to pray that all government officials be moved by the Holy Spirit to do the will of God. We ask you also to pray for victims of the earthquake in Haiti and victims of the hurricanes, flooding, and fires here in the U.S. and throughout the world. Also, please pray for the other Haitians who were recently at the Del Rio, Texas border. Pray that they will receive humane and equitable treatment now that they're away from the border. Please continue to pray for Pastor Millicent and her family on the loss of her mother. Thank you for your attention. Now I will sing the opening and uh, praise and worship song today. After that, I will lead you to the rest of the worship service. As a friendly reminder, please mute your phone if there's any background noise where you are by pressing star six. Good afternoon. I thank God for this day. And y'all, it's been a very trying day. It's been a, a very sad day. This is the second Saturday in a row that I have gotten the news that someone close to me had passed away. And I believe that it was perp related. Um, so I've had to go through the day with 
with that on my mind and, and, and gathering my thoughts and just knowing that God is still able, no matter what I'm going through, Sister Sharon, thank you so very much for that wonderful, soul-stirring, encouraging prayer. I certainly am glad to, was glad to hear it and glad that you were thinking of me as you prayed. I certainly want to thank each of you for being here today to share in this another first Saturday of the month and another opportunity to gather around the Lord's Supper table, a time that we show our appreciation for what Jesus did for us at Calvary. It is with great joy that I voice my appreciation to the ministry team for all that you do to help bring these services to Zoom and to talk shoe each week. I offer a special thank you and a great big God bless you to our clergy. October has been named Pastor and Clergy Appreciation Month. I hope that you will take time to send a special thank you to, to the clergy uh, and those who minister to you and give of their time, their talent, and their treasures to the good news of the gospel. Now I want to emphasize to our waiting congregation that it may be necessary to mute your line and you can avoid that for us by muting yourself if you know that there is uh, any kind of distraction in your background. To God be the glory that though we live all across the United States from California to Connecticut, Washington State to Delaware to Tennessee, Texas to Maryland, North Carolina and Georgia, we are committed to working together by God's grace through a conference call to bring these services to you each week. But now because of my struggle through the day, I have been halted between two places, but I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to uh, trust God as we go to 1 Corinthians chapter two, verses six through eight, as we continue with the series on, it's a mystery. From the King James Version, we will read, how be it, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse seven says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, most of all, for Jesus and the way he led us to recognize and to appreciate and to remember his sacrifice for us at Calvary. We come this day, Lord, looking unto you, God, as birds in our nest, 
with thy mouths open, God, unto you for your word. As if a mother bird was, was standing over her little, bird, little birds and about to feed them. We thank you, O oh God, that you are the, indeed the giver of wisdom. Your promises that you would give us if we would ask. And so, Lord, we thank you today that you would give us the wisdom that you, oh God, would teach us more truth about the mystery of the cross. Give us a greater revelation, God, and a deeper appreciation of the benefits that we share because of Jesus Christ. Father, in spite of our earthly suffering, I thank you, Lord God, that Jesus paid it all. And we believe you, Lord, beyond what we see or hear, beyond what we experience or feel, we believe you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of the message today is Who Would Imagine a Cross for a King? Who would imagine a cross for a king? Have you ever picked up an item in a department store and had in your mind that it would be used for one thing only to find that it was designed to do something totally different? Can you look at a tree and tell how many pieces of furniture it would make? How many houses it would build? How many picture frames? could be made from the wood of it. We don't think of all the ways that a tree can be used besides shade for a home, a home for bird's nest, or even for climbing. Trees can be used to build fences, make guitars and kitchen utensils, even a cradle or a manger. Reverend Jacob Earhart said it best, and I quote, oh blessed manger, to think that the one who is called the king of creation has such humble beginnings. The overcrowded guest room provided no peace or privacy for this very pregnant woman. So with service animals as witness, the virgin gave birth to a son and a manger was called into service as a makeshift crib. Think about what he just said. A manger was called into service as a makeshift crib. How many parts of our lives have been called into service? Not for our good, but for God's glory. Not for our recognition, but that Jesus Christ would be lifted up. How many parts of our lives, even today, after all we've been through, have you any idea how much or how big of a witness you've been to a perpetrator who would send your way all kinds of disaster, distress, frustration, loss, and you keep recognizing God? You keep lifting up Jesus. You keep calling on his name and thanking him for the blood that saves us, who would imagine a cross for a king? It takes special wood to produce certain things and God knew exactly which one would be best for each task. 
But something that I realized as I was meditating on this, on the message and on my study, God never appointed the cross. Now, let me share with you what I found as I thought about that. In Genesis chapter two, verse nine, it says, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden. So notice everything is giving you something positive, right? Pleasant to the sight, good for food. Then it says the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when I looked at that, I thought about that. And so everything is to give you life except what Adam and Eve were not to partake of because God knew it would not enhance their life. God chose gopher wood for the ark. It was able to withstand the days of flood on the earth. Think about that. That wood, acacia wood or acacia trees were used as raw material for the construction of the tabernacle and for the building of its utensils, the Ark of the Covenant, the altar, and the table of the pillars, table and the pillars of the curtain. The acacia tree is said to be able to survive some of the most barren and challenging conditions that the desert might present. God told Abraham exactly which tree to use for those most important spiritual artifacts. We're continuing the mystery series that was started last week and with the mystery of how Christ got us to become the church. A mystery in a biblical sense is something that has been hidden, but is now revealed to God's people. Isaiah was the first to introduce the plan of God to save his people. And when he spoke of the expected virgin birth, of one upon whose shoulders would be the government, who would have expected that there would have been a cross for this king? John wrote about the days of the end in Revelation by saying, but with righteousness, Jesus shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. We can't seem to have any equity right now, and we're still waiting to be judged righteously. But the promise from God himself through John the Revelator is that we shall have it. And when Jesus comes, he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Now, the books of First and Second Chronicles were written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. These books were written to address problems that had arisen in the church and to answer questions. The main theme of First Corinthians was the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul was also very careful that the church at Corinth understood that Jesus was the Lord and savior. In the pericope today, Paul describes what happened for the world 
not to the world, but for the world because of the ignorance of those who thought they were wise. Paul called it a mystery, a thought that was held in the mind of God until the day that it should be fulfilled. For had they known, and he called them in one, well, actually in, in, in several translations, these men are, are recognized for their positions. But it says, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known, it would they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Some call them princes, some call them powers. When I read that scripture, I thought about Ephesians chapter 6 where we're told we don't we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and the rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual wickedness in high places. One thing we know is that the one who enticed Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was still fueling and is still fueling today powers and principalities, rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul called it though a mystery, a thought that was held in the mind of, Christ, of God. And the scripture tells us in the fullness of time, Christ came. That means that there were a certain number of events that had to happen to the world before God was ready for Jesus's entry into the world. He was, even as he came down through the annals of time, a king on his way to the cross, something that never happened before in history. So I wanted to be able to see how many years and what events took place between the beginning of time and Jesus arriving on the scene. And this is what I found. From Adam to Noah's flood, there were 1,656 years. Noah at the coming of the flood was 600 years old. From the flood of Noah unto Abraham leaving Chaldea was another 422 years and 10 days. Abraham left Chaldea at the age of 70. So these accounted are 422 years and 10 days. From Abraham's departure from Ur and Chaldea until the departing of the children of Israel from Egypt, you all, was 430 years. From the going of the Israelites from Egypt until the first building of the temple are 480 years after this chronology and account. From the first beginning of the temple until the captivity of Babylon was 419 and a half years. Then Jerusalem was re-edified and built again after 70 years. And then from the point that Jerusalem was rebuilt, 
until the coming of Jesus Christ was 483 years. Now listen to this. Whereupon we reckon that from Adam unto Christ are 3,974 years, six months and 10 days. And from the birth of Christ until the present age of 1801, that's the last time I found that these years were calculated, was 5,775 years, six months and 10 days, give or take a few. So then I added up from 1801 to 2021, was 2,020 years, 220 years. So we add to that and we're at 5,795 years from Noah and the flood till today. The disciples describe what happened during Jesus's life here on earth and Whitney Houston sang about his life so beautifully in the movie entitled A Preacher's Wife. That song you heard at the beginning of the message. What has, has happened since Jesus come is what's the most important. That's where we look back and we can determine what has transformed the world the most has been the coming of Jesus Christ. And yet Whitney Houston saying that when a baby is put in a mother's arms and the mother can look at the babe and say, you could become anything, but who would imagine a king, a shepherd, a teacher is what you could be, or maybe a fisherman out on the sea, or maybe a carpenter building things, but who would imagine a king it was so clear when the wise men arrived and the angels were singing your name that the world would be different because you were alive. That's what heaven stood still to proclaim. And we are the benefactors of those who are living in a different world because Jesus came. Before Jesus came, we talked about that some last week what happened to Israel when they were in the wilderness and how God had laid down the law for them and what would happen to them if they did not keep the law. We saw the necessity arrive for the priest to begin to make sacrifices for the sin of the people. There had to be a covering um, or an atonement for their sin. Thus came the priest. The first sinners were Adam and Eve. They were covered by the shedding of blood and the killing of an animal is what God did. So when we get to Israel in the, each, in, uh, the wilderness, they are also given the task of, first of all, men who could cleanse themselves. And then those men were given instruction of who exactly, of what, what exactly had to be used for, for the atonement and who exactly was the only one who could get clean enough to go in before God in the most holy place. But it still involved the shedding of blood and the killing of animals. 
As I thought about that, I also thought about Isaiah 53. We can't ever go through the story to the cross without Isaiah 53. For it talked about Jesus, first of all, being a tender plant. And then it talked about what he was going to go through as we think about what we go through even today. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Even today, we sometimes hide our faces from him. Even today, we sometimes seem to forget the suffering that he, Jesus, went through on our behalf. Even today, we don't always appreciate and show our appreciation for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us at Calvary. But as a man, Isaiah 53 tells us he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. And we still sometimes don't esteem him. We still sometimes fail to put him in the highest place, in the first place in our lives and in the highest place over the situations and the circumstances. Sometimes we feel like we're in this thing alone. And yet the word of God says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. These are the things that Jesus went through, the, the trauma. And we think we're traumatized. This is the trauma that Jesus went through. The, not just the psychological, but also the physical torture. And it says, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So notice, it's very clear that Jesus didn't go through all of that for himself. In fact, it, it says at the very end that he was innocent of it. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. But it says Jesus did not do anything of violence, nor was there any deceit that came out of his mouth for you and for me. Jesus went through. And then because he went through. And let me not get ahead of myself. So then Jesus went through all of this on his way to the cross, on his way to making a, a, a determined end to the debt that we were collecting or would collect because we weren't there. But from Adam and Eve to the point that Jesus came, you have to remember that the flood had happened. The children of Israel had come out of Egypt and all of the truck across the desert, they had collected sin, sin, sin. And God had made the provisions for their atonement. But the, their atonement was temporary. Our atonement is permanent. We'll remember that when Jesus came, he also began to teach disciples of what they would teach when he left 
because he understood that his time here was limited, that his time was not going to last because his, the, the end result of why he came was that we would be freed from the penalty of sin and death. So there were three times that Jesus predicted his own death. The first time Jesus predicted his death was in Matthew. Mark, Luke, and John talks about the fact that after he fed the multitude, the chief priests and the elders and the scribes, it says, began to plot to kill him. He's on his way to that tree, that, that tree that was considered by the world to be the most degrading death that could be had. It was a, I read that it was not even used by the Greeks. It was considered to be so brutal, but the Romans were the ones who did, gave death by hanging. And when you consider the fact that Jesus is hanging on a tree, was similar, if any of you have ever, those of you who were ever raised in the country, if you've ever seen the slaughter of a hog, they hang that hog up, y'all. They cut it open and the blood drips out. That, that's the way Jesus was hung on that tree. Just like a hog for slaughter and his blood dripped down. Jesus predicted his death a second time. When Peter, James, and John saw Christ in the, in the uh, transfiguration. At this point, they believed that, that Jesus's kingdom was just around the corner. Well, really it was, but it was Jesus reestablishing his kingdom in heaven, but leaving a major kingdom here on earth. And of that kingdom, we are a part. And then Jesus described his third time um, predicting his death. He spoke to his disciples as they were heading up toward Jerusalem for the Passover. And he actually told them how he would be mocked, scourged, crucified, and then he would rise again. On this occasion, the disciples did not understand Jesus' saying because the meaning was hidden from them. There's a mystery. And that mystery was tied to the cross. They would soon learn what Jesus meant in the events of Good Friday and following. And then we're told about the Last Supper, which we will take part in today. And probably this little talk is going to help you to be more mindful of what it is we're doing and why it is that we're so appreciative. Jesus went through the trials. One specific part of the trial I thought was so significant, and I wanted to just mention that, and that was he first went through Pilate's court. Pilate found him innocent. He went to Herod's court. Herod sent him back to Pilate, and Herod washed his hands. He wanted nothing to do with that death of an innocent man. But in the fullness of time, Christ came when God knew that the world could stand no longer in the amount of sin that, that it was collecting up day by day. Think about that. When you're driving down the road 
if you look through your rearview mirror, the farther away from where you started, you, you get as you're looking in your rearview mirror, it looks farther and farther away. You can see it in the rearview, but it's for you, the farther you get from it, the less you can see it until it's out of sight, right? Think about our sins in that way. The more our sins collect up without us having an, a point of atonement, the more we disobey God, the more we grieve him, the, the farther away from him we get. It's like driving down the road, looking through a rearview mirror until if we are careful, sin will overtake us and we won't be able to see God at all. But God said, I won't have that for them. And Jesus' death on the cross secured that we never would have to look down in the rearview mirror and see ourselves, how far we've gotten from God the Father. Because the second we see ourselves far away from him, that's when repentance can come. That's when pleading the blood of Jesus can come. That's when reconciliation will come. First Corinthians 1 9 says, if we confess our faults, confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So you don't have to drive the car backwards. You just stop it where you are. Pray, ask for forgiveness, repent, plead the blood, and you are right back in the place where you are, where you were again. Jesus died on that cross, taking up all the sin of the world. He was standing between a thief and a murderer, of which he was neither. And yet he stood there with those representing the sins for which man could find themselves at death. And Jesus died for us. Jesus died for us. There was another song that I thought about as I was working on the message today. Mary, did you know? And I'm sure that you all are familiar with it, but the, the questions that she asked takes me back to the question of, of the mystery of the cross. Who would imagine, who would imagine a cross for a king? When she asked the question, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would walk on water, that he would save our sons and daughters, that he would come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you because that child that came as a king was destined for the cross. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to the blind, would calm the storm with his hand, walk where angels trod, and kiss the face of God? Yes, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the lamb. That's where we are today. We're part of those blind that, was, that, are, that are, are now able to see. We're able to see who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We're able to see the 
the lostness that we would be were it not for Jesus Christ. The deaf will hear, the dead will live again. Y'all, we've all been dead in our sins. If we had to pay for whatever we've done, no matter how simple, because the word tells us that sin is sin. And Romans 8.23 tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there are no big ones and no little ones. But if, if we had to pay for any of them, and if the cross meant the payment, what would we do? Where would we be? But Jesus agreed to come from, from heaven with the assignment of the cross in his future. And with the salvation of humanity for the sake of relationship with God at stake, Jesus paid it all. Who would imagine a cross for a king? Tonight, as we go to bed and lay down, think of the wood that put the cross together. Like the wood we lay on or the wood that, that put makes up the, the dresser and the chest of drawers and any other piece in our, of furniture in our house. As, as I look around my, my room right now and I look at the wood, any, bit, any, any, any part of it, any one of these trees could have been a, 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 a cross for my king. Any one of these trees could have been a cross for my king. So how do we appreciate the king for what he's done for us on the cross? Because the word tells us that he's now seated back in heaven. And as the king, he's making obsession for us with God the Father. It doesn't say he went back as the prince, but he went back as the king. How do we give our appreciation for the king? Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. And he said, as often as you do this, you do show the Lord's death until he comes again. Today, we get the privilege of saying thank you to our king for the work he did on the cross that gives us the privilege of knowing that we have a future and a hope in glory. And the glory is his and God's resurrected power in our lives. Amen.